Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hulk Hogan's a bad guy and Sting is a fake. You listen to them break down Fall Brawl 1996. Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olsen. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hey there, 83 Weeks fans. It is time to break down our favorite podcast. This is the place for all of you to come and chat live with us about the latest episode of 83 Weeks. We are talking Fall Brawl 1996. And by we, I mean me and these dancing gentlemen right here with me. Wow, getting down is the producer of all your favorite wrestling YouTube channels. Show us those moves, Steve Kaufman. Oh, my uh, my Teddy Long. I like it. Holla, holla. You did the Teddy Long last week. Did I do That's the That's why I'm doing something different. Oh, and Can also- you guess what I'm doing? I'm doing the Fandango. Say oh, hello to uh, pro wrestler IRL and the Encyclopedia of Professional Wrestling, George Ramoza. That is me. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for bringing this energy, boys. I like it. I love it. And we have everybody hanging out in the chat. Hey, Joseph, Billy, everybody else. We are going to get to you as we ask questions. And, uh, you know, we want to hear your opinion, too. So while you're here, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We want to thank Eric and Conrad for having us on the 83 Weeks channel because this is the show that is just for you guys, and it's for us, too. We have a lot of fun with this one. We used to have Eric calling in and giving us a Q&A every week, and we hope to return to that soon. Right now, he's a little busy with his gig at WWE, which I'm sure you all can understand. I heard a rumor that his schedule is changing fairly recently, or fairly, <laughs> fairly soon. Is but, it not going to be Fridays anymore? No, but never mind. But, <laughs> This is why we are not a news show, people. (laughs) So on that note, before we jump into the past, let's talk about something from current times that Eric had a major problem with. Okay, he brings up this Meltzer story from last week about Ready to Rumble. So this was in the notes, I guess, Conrad's notes from last week. And somehow in his new position, Eric has time to go back and look (laughs) at notes from last week's podcast and notice this report by Meltzer that Ready to Rumble was actually supposed to be about Bret Hart, which, of course, Eric takes complete, what's the word? You, you take um, exception to Issue. this. Issues. Took exception mm. to this, and that uh, kind of really went in on Meltzer in a way that we haven't heard in a few weeks, you know? <laughs> we, we've, we've heard that track for sure. Yes, just but not we, for a while. We haven't heard that track on this album. Right. Is how, but, man, I, I walked into this show, like, on the first week of 83 Weeks, think like, feeling Dave Meltzer was a bit more credible than he is sometimes. When you really yeah. get into some granular stuff like this that, I think to him, he was just kind of throwing it off to see where it lands. And I'm not, I'm not denying Dave Meltzer may have heard something that made him feel that way, but he doesn't write it as an implication. Like, mm-hmm. he writes it as an implication instead of a, I heard rumor that this was a synopsis that was pitched. It was not. It's going to be about this. An example of this, too, and I can't really comment on that because I've actually never seen Ready to Rumble, so I really don't know what it's about. Uh, I've said that before, but an example of that where it's like just recently, like a day or two ago, Meltzer said on his radio show that like, oh, it looks like Vince McMahon is just burying Cedric Alexander. It's like if that's the case, then you don't have him on TV. 
You don't put somebody yes. on TV that you're going to bury. And by the way, I was looking at your notes. Bret Hart's middle name is Sergeant? Yes. Wow. Like IRL? Yeah. Sergeant. Yeah, that's the second time you've used that term, IRL. Right? I know. I just this has been such a quick day and there's so much going on that <laughs> I just do sh- not have time. You shorten down the words, yeah. <laughs> Don't have time for all this. Spelled that way. Oh. S-E-R-G-E-A-N-T. Yeah, Sergeant. Hey, the more you know, folks. So him and, him and Slaughter had in. the first, the same name. Slaughter or Slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> Sergeant, Sergeant. <laughs> Sorry, Sergeant. I want to say hi to uh, Erica and David and all the rest who have just joined us in the chat. Let's get to Fall Brawl 96 by sort of setting the tone. What's going down in WCW at this time? Well, Eric felt like he had to change the way that the audience saw WCW. He talked about changing the way that they felt about the characters and about the storylines. Do you guys feel like they did that? Like, was 1996 a year you can look back on and go, oh, yeah, I got reinterested, kind of like Conrad did? I mean, I didn't get reinterested because I was already watching last time. Uh, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I feel like there was a huge change in direction that like how, that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash did, where we saw a little bit more realism that we weren't really seeing in pro wrestling before. Yeah. And Eric Bischoff said this a lot of times, where you know, instead of having these character names, instead of giving these guys character names, we're just going to go with the real names because we do want to add on a little more realism to pro wrestling, which we saw. Um, and obviously, going back to a month before, where we saw people calling the cops because people legit thought that <laughs> people were getting attacked by the trailers and, you know, thrown like a lawn the dart church to the group side of The called on behalf of Randy yeah. Anderson. I, I actually, looking back, Fall Brawl 96 is a very obvious turning point mm-hmm. that I doubt they felt it was at the time. Oh. I, think, I think it was another show. Because mm-hmm. I think professionals doing shows at the caliber WCW was doing at this time, they look back and be like, oh man, 96, that was such a turning point. Whereas you're able to look back and see your turning points. Whereas I think to them, like, I'm not saying this wasn't a hot angle. I'm not saying this wasn't a hot show. Mm-hmm. But I am saying, like, at the time, they're like, okay, and then we do Nitro tomorrow, and then we we like, we like keep moving forward. That You don't know your... You don't ever know you're in a good point. I disagree. Really? I disagree, because I think, um, going back to 96, you look at, like, the business in general, and you look at WCW in general, they were like, oh, we're doing okay with Raw. But then, like, this is two, three months afterwards, and they kind of keep saying, like, oh, wow. Like, I don't know, we can be this hot. Like, wow, like, we're, we're really? Like, the ratings were that high? Oh, my God, we're getting that much back in merch? So I think they just kind of capitalized on mm. that, knowing that they're on to something, so let's just kind of keep going with it. I, I think they were cognizant of what was going on, just by the fact of, like, what was going on at that time with the success that they were having. It's hard to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, and along with, you know, some new acquisitions, something that Conrad talked a lot about is that Hulk Hogan's now a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's wearing the black. He's hanging out with NWO. What kind of um, effect did that have on WCW as a whole? Obviously, a heel turn by one Hulk Hogan is huge. It was very, like, it was front page news in, like, local news. Like, the, it was the lead off of the sports section of your local news. Like, 6ABC, where I lived, was, like, there was NBA finals or whatever happening. And then they're, like, the big story here on the sports section, Hulk Hogan is a bad guy. <laughs> and, like, that happened in so many local markets and so many national news stories that, like, it was the kind of publicity that they couldn't possibly buy. Yeah. That this was everything. Hulk Hogan is a bad guy. 
It was hard for me to kind of go back because this was right in the middle of summertime. I was out of school during the summertime, but I remember then the weeks leading up to, you know, the end of the spring or that, that school year, I remember a lot of people were talking, oh my God, did you guys see Razor and Diesel show up on, on Nitro? Oh my God, did you see this? Did you see that? So I would have liked to have been around other wrestling fans in school when that happened. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like I, I wasn't able to just maybe close, very, very close mm. fans, but man, I would have liked to have seen the buzz. And I remember... Like around that time, I was starting to see a little bit more wrestling showing up on the local newspaper and things like that. I remember just being in and living in LA, they did a th- something on WrestleMania 12, which was in Anaheim. So I was, I, I wish I was maybe more like cognizant about the media because mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen the reaction. It's hard for me to kind of go back and know what, mm-hmm. what was going on, but I know when, when I went back to school, it was like, oh, man, do you guys see, you know, this and this and that? But it was just mostly like, you know, catching up cognizant you're pulling out those words i'm not using tonight (laughs) (laughs) i like that i like to say the long word i'm not gonna (laughs) thanos in the trap says doesn't work for me brother (laughs) i like that uh so what else two to three months after hollywood hogan came out and saved wcw they say that this was the savior for the company this is around the time that nitro started to win out over raw in the ratings Mm -hmm. and actually Eric gave Kevin Sullivan a ton of credit mm-hmm. on this show. He's he's always Eric is always honest about Kevin and his hits and misses, but this was one where he really put him over and credited him for booking all the heat that NWO ended up getting. I think I was I mean I was surprised to hear that because of course we all want to give NWO the credit for getting the heat. Well, also also um Kevin Sullivan has been involved in some jokey stuff. Yes. That I think the the narrative about Kevin Sullivan is like, oh, he gets involved in just some weird, off-the-wall, crazy, I don't know why he belongs there stuff. When in reality, it's like, well, that's the stuff you remember. You remember the Dungeon of Doom. What you don't realize is that he's probably amazing at booking heat. Right. And that's the, that's what they revealed in this show. I, I'm shocked you didn't text him. Didn't text Eric? No, didn't text Kevin Sullivan. Oh, you know, I know. And and that was a bit of an afterthought. We definitely have to get him to call into this show at some point and, and weigh in on some of this stuff. He's a great guy. And just, you know, always mm. readily available. We love him. <laughs> uh, that was actually part of the conversation, though, between Eric and Conrad was like, why isn't Kevin Sullivan working in the professional wrestling business right now? And they decided that he must not want to because otherwise he would be. But this kind of brought on a conversation about what worked back then versus what works now, and if what worked back then could work now. Or would Kevin have to do a lot of research like Eric did when he recently returned to WWE? What are your guys' thoughts I on think that? it can work, but the problem with WWE, uh, and we'll see if it's an AEW as well, is that there's so much going on. So when NWO came out, they went all in. Yeah. Like, it was all NWO. Like, they really went everything all in. And that's why I think the big reason why the Nexus didn't work back in 2010, where they were just kind of like, oh, we're going to, they're going to take over Raw, but not SmackDown. We're going to half-ass this, and we're going to, you know, it just, it didn't work because they didn't go all in. NWO was all in. So as long as they can do something where they really put the fourth, the entire effort, and not just half-ass something, I think it absolutely can work these days. Although, I think... I blame Ryback. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I actually... <laughs> Actually, you can compare. I like Daniel Bryan. You can you can compare the Nexus to the Shield as what it looks like when Vince McMahon is one hundred percent behind you, versus oh, we'll try it out. Mm-hmm. The Nexus was all these guys are great. That's how we want to bring them up. We want to make NXT a big deal. NXT that incarnation, the USA Network, not the one that's already on USA Network. It's, it's, it's confusing. <laughs> the Ryback NXT. They wanted to make NXT look big, look big and bad and good. So they had the Nexus. 
But Vince wasn't behind the Nexus. Vince was behind Roman Reigns. Therefore, the Shield is way more successful than Nexus. That's, that's <laughs> well, a, that was my whole point. The, you're, you're not the historian around here. I want to remind you, Steve. But sorry. that was uh, that was good. That was good. Well, while we're kind of on it anyway, uh, WWF at the time made a pretty big deal after the lawsuit that they won over um, Razor and Diesel about this staff memo going around at WCW, in which they referred to one of them as Razor or Diesel. I, I mean, petty much? <laughs> I want to ask you. Uh, you, you were. Oh, I'm super petty. But but, <laughs> but but you were you were in a scenario where you were around a lot of characters. You would say, yeah. What did you usually call them? Oh, as an announcer, and this is something I know like, I've heard like, Eric behind say the a bunch of times or... too. Um, always by their stage name. But is that because they? That's how they. That's how you introduce them. Or I'm sorry, that's how they introduce themselves to you. Because I always heard that was the rule where it's like you introduce you call them by what they. Introduce themselves. Yes, and normally in life I would go by that. Mm -hmm. And there's a few of them that, you know, I got to know quite well who I would call them, you know, outside the ring by their first names. But for me, it's a habit thing. You know, I'm not going to accidentally, I'm not going to pull a Nikki Bella and call Naomi Naomi on SmackDown or Raw or whatever it is by accident. Mm -hmm. Love you, Nikki Bella. (laughs) You know, so for me, it's just a habit thing where I would just always use their, their stage names. No, I mean, because so, essentially that was kind of the deal memo. Like, you kind of just kind of go with whatever it is that it is. Yeah. So, WWE is coming after them because they said Razor Ramon, like, ever. Yes, in a staff memo that only went internally at, at WCW. Because it wasn't, I think it was just, because they never used Razor or Diesel on TV. Mm-hmm. But when when Scott Hall first came out on Nitro, it was like, hey, Chico, you want to roar, Chico? It's like, he was still Razor-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though he never called himself Razor Ramon. That's right. Well, let's talk a little bit about who was in the mix there at NWO. So, of course, there's always a lot of convo. Who is going to be the third man? This time, we finally got to talking about who would be the fourth and fifth men. And uh, let's get to a dirt sheet debunk right now. So... There was a report, since we've already kind of uh, taken the dirt sheets to task <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there was a report that DiBiase was supposed to be the fifth man in NWO instead of the fourth, and that British Bulldog was actually supposed to be number four, which Eric pretty much blew to smithereens. He says the fact that um, Sean Waltman was discussed was true, which was also part of that report, but uh, British Bulldog was never discussed to be part of NWO because he wouldn't have fit in that role, and that really when they brought Bulldog on, it was because of his international appeal that had nothing to do with NWO. Mm-hmm. I would argue British Bulldog in the NWO is the equivalent to Captain America in Hydra. I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it won't fit. I am saying you need you need to tell me a really long story to get there. Whereas like a lot of the other names he was mentioning like make a lot of sense. Right. I disagree. Really? I think Bulldog would have fit in the NWO cuz they cuz the exact moment Chono first came into NWO, they said we want to go international. All you have to do is say we were, NWO is going to international and then bring in the British Bulldog and it would have fit. That's all you think, that, but like that's what they did for Masachono, but how, and Great Muda. But what year? How many? If we're talking the fourth man, what man was Mas- Chono? Eleven. Like that's where I'm at. <laughs> well, Eleven is different yeah. than four. Well, what about our friend Sean Waltman? He thought he could leave WWF, but they weren't having it. And Eric kind of brushed. I wanted to get to the nitty gritty of this. <laughs> like I've I've heard, I've sat next to Sean and heard him tell the story many times. You know, depending on who's telling the story, the details change a little bit. But I wanted Eric's point of view on what went down here, and he just sort of passed it off as like, "Yeah, I wasn't involved, so I don't know." That's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want. I, I was disappointed. It's 
Not that I want him to make things up or say something that he wasn't privy to, but I just felt like he had to have something to share. I also on that. I, I, I think it was a simple. I prefer when he doesn't weigh in. I think it was as simple as like Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were like, "Hey, I want my buddy in. All right, do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Pass through legal, and we're good." Mm. So we, so I, I agree. He wasn't as involved in it as everyone else claims he was. Yeah. Um, I think we've all heard Sean's side of this, mm-hmm. and, and like. I don't know. I think there there might there might not have been any there there. There might not have been any there. Although I do, I dist- still doing the debunk rumor. Sure. Okay. Well, I don't know if you were going to say something else. I was, I was going to say I know it feels like they were they didn't like the fact that Paul White, the giant, was in the NWO. I think it added a little bit extra because he wasn't. Like you, everybody was talking. Like, oh, it's got to be a former WWF guy because we saw DiBiase, we saw Sean Wallman, we saw Virgil going into w- yeah. or the NWO right afterwards. But I like that the, the giant was kind of there as if like that's how that's how uh, hype the NWO was because you have a WCW guy yeah. defect into the NWO. So I, I like that decision. I know they were kind of bashing it, but I completely thought it was legit. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's ideologically it's a necessary pivot. Because if you're at the fifth guy, the sixth guy, the eighth guy, and they're all former WWF guys, it would lose a bit of muster where we started as a bunch of former WWF guys to invade, mm-hmm. but that's our ideology. We can turn people. And right. especially, too, it's like you don't want to set the tone as if, like, it's got to be a former WWF guy. Having the giant as the fourth guy knows that, like, all right, well, now our expectations can be a little bit more wider. Mm-hmm. Now that we know it can be a WCW guy that defects. It's going to be a former WWF guy. Maybe they're going to bring in somebody else. So I thought it was a fantastic decision to bring him in in the NWO as the fourth guy. Yeah, and Eric kind of, you know, he set the record straight. It wasn't just a swerve of the audience. And this brought up a really interesting conversation about the focus groups that they did back Ooh. in the day where they would literally watch people watch wrestling and see what they liked and what they didn't like. That made me think about social media now and that basically we have that same ability to see exactly what people like and don't like, but it's so much less accurate or something now. I was part of a focus group one time. I was not a WCW one, but I would argue social media testing or testing social media as if it were a focus group is about as reliable as an actual focus group. Okay. Also, um, I think Eric has told a version of this story where he said it was him and a bunch of Turner executives. And they were turning the dial if they liked something one way and then the dial to the left if they didn't like something. Yeah. The only thing is the Turner executives would come back at him and say, man, everyone was full left when this heel did this heel thing. You need to change it. Ah. And he had to explain the wrestling business right. to people who aren't in the wrestling business. Like, no, no, our desire didn't... Like, and that's the only TV show on television that wants you to go full left. Right. On the, I despise this. I hate everything about this. And that's what Eric said, that really that kind of data in the wrong hands can be dangerous. Mm. I want to turn to our chat roll. Uh, someone said, oh, yeah, the other channel created a fake razor and diesel <laughs> just to shove it in Eric's face that Scott and Kevin may be in WCW. But I have razor and diesel still. So that kind of brings us to our next topic of conversation, which is fake sting. Whew. I know you guys love fake sting, and we love to get all the juicy backstory, which we didn't quite get because Eric didn't have it. So he talked about Jeff Farmer. 
That's the right name, right? We have a. <laughs> we have. No, a, I was just joking. Was that right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. There's um, an AfterBuzz host with a very similar name, and I tend to call <laughs> him by fake Sting's name. So you know, sorry, Jack or Jeff or whatever your name is, <laughs> Jeff right Farmer. I know. Well, He's outside <laughs> watching NXT. Played fake Sting, and Eric wants to get to the bottom of how that happened. He doesn't remember, but he is just as curious as the rest of us, and wants to have Jeff Farmer on 83 Weeks to talk about how that all went down. I think it's interesting. I think I like the fact that he's going to try to because I, I was hoping for that too. I'm like, at what point did somebody decide? Wow, like you look like Sting. Yeah, that, yeah. That that's your whole life. That you're. Although I think he was early enough in his career that that makes the most sense. That sometimes when they're trying to put you in a box, they pick the elements. You have to pick the elements of a person that are from another successful person. So like, you look like Sting isn't. A knock. It's the idea that you find seven of those superlatives and you put them together and you kind of prism them through that person. That's how you have a successful character. Mm-hmm. With this, with with Jeff Farmer, they decided you look like Sting. Do you want to be Sting tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> and he's been Sting since nine. He's been fake Sting or NWO Sting or Team Two Thousand or New Japan Army Sting since two since nineteen ninety one. And has made decent money on it. It's just insane to me, just that whole, like, like how do you, like, there's, is there any is there anybody even today on the roster, who even wears face paint these days, but is there any, anybody on the roster today that may look like someone else that can pass along? The Ascension wears face paint. The Ascension wears face paint. Balor's um, demon, not I Balor. think you would probably be surprised when you put someone in the same outfit and do their hair up the same way. Mm-hmm. People, especially, sorry to say, of the male variety, are not exactly the most observant. <laughs> and I really don't think it would be that difficult to fool people. You can pad and you can do a lot of things. The best thing about wrestling in this era, too, was that this was on a Monday. The pay-per-view was at this upcoming Sunday, and, like, there were six days in between. Imagine, you know, doing that today. There's so much going on. Like, you would find out what, what everything is by, like, Wednesday to the, these days, where it's like, it was Friday, and we were so like, oh, my God, like, can't believe Sting, you know, did that. Like, I mean, we kind of like, what if it's a fake Sting? No, that can't be true. Like, he, uh-huh. he looked just like, it sounded just like him, too. Like, all these things is what made pro wrestling so great at that time. That's right. Now, even now, but they don't do that now. But also it to, would make it great I now. Mean, some of the, if you, some of it's coming back. If you watch uh, SmackDown to toot Eric Torn a little, like mm-hmm. the the whole Kevin Owens stuff of whether or not he is appearing on NXT right this moment, I find that pretty intriguing and like pretty like by the number. Like if you've ever seen that GIF of a squirrel on a train and then they're building the train track in front of them, like you want to feel like you you want to feel like nobody knows what's coming. Yeah. But then you still want a very satisfying and structured ending, and that's the that's like the problem with storytelling usually, especially weekly storytelling. That I think we're kind of getting back to that in wrestling a little more. Yeah, well, it's harder than it seems. And if we're going to take a really close look at Fall Brawl 1996, which we are about to do right now, Eric and Conrad ended up saying, like, you know what? This was one of the better ones. Uh, they kind of sold it a lot at the beginning of the episode. Then by the end, of, they didn't sound quite as convinced <laughs> after having talked it out. But you guys watched Fall Brawl back, right? So it comes out first with DDP, Chavo Guerrero. Eric said all that old character stuff of DDP annoys him. He has completely changed the way that I watch DDP <laughs> just because I'm like, wait, is this early DDP? How many gimmicks is he doing? What, like, how is he coming out now? Uh, but overall, that this was a solid match. Agreed? Yep. I like this match. It's one of my earliest memories of seeing Chavo Guerrero, and I was like, man, who's this, who is this kid? <laughs> I, it, it is always fun to watch Sting, or sorry, not Sting, watch DDP with the cigar. 
Yeah. And the, sorry, a sting was on my mind because Billy0624 in the chat said, imagine fake sting versus fake razor versus fake diesel. <sighs> Double down. Imagine if you got sharp Pablo and gasoline in there. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> George, you have 2K. We can make all these characters. <laughs> make it happen, boys. Well, while you're talking about stuff that you like, are either of you big guy guys? Do you like to see the big guys throw down? A big guy versus big guy? One is done correctly, because Braun Strowman and Big Show have had some great matches. <laughs> like, have some great matches where oh, right. the ring doesn't break. I still had Ryback on the brain. I was like, Ryback? No. Ryback's <laughs> had some good matches, too. I mean, his matches matches were, were the Kalisto, but... Well, Ryback's matches, and I think big men are best when they're up against not big men, because mm-hmm. you get to showcase them, but then you also get to showcase how a little guy could could overcome a bigger guy. So when it's big man versus big man, it's, I don't know, I think it's good when it, like, I think it's good when it's a little bit, like, Brock Lesnar Goldberg was great, right? because it was under 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, anything over 10 minutes, that's going to suck. It was, it was, it was, they started it at 90 miles an hour and then ended it pretty fast. Well, Kane is definitely a big guy. Distracted by life in the chat has a little trivia for you. Wasn't Kane the fake Diesel? Yes, yes. he was. True. Yes. yes, and then and then Lou Gallows was the fake Kane. Luke Gallows. Yes, yeah. he was. Wow, that a is a blast from the Luke Gallows. Wow. Too bad he didn't ride that out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Chris Jericho and Benoit's match. This. Something kind of came up during this about talking about mm. Chris Benoit and his matches. How do you guys feel is the right way to discuss Chris Benoit and his career? Or is it to not do it at all? How do we discuss O.J. Simpson as a running back? I don't. It, me either. I, but I don't live in Buffalo. I'm not a, like, a <laughs> Buffalo. If I but were you Buffalo, do live in L.A. and you live in USC. But... Well, was a Heisman. I, don't, I don't follow USC football either. But like, if once again, if I were talking USC football or Buffalo Bills football... How do I talk about O.J. Simpson? Yeah. That is my comparison for how do we talk about Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. Is do we have to? Is to start. Like, do we have to? Like, we're not doing an episode about Chris Benoit. We're not doing an episode about Chris Benoit's demise. Mm-hmm. We're doing an episode about Fall Brawl 1996. Mm-hmm. Right. Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho had one of the best matches on that card. Yeah. That is an unavoidable fact. You have to cover it. You have to talk about it. And they even precursed it by saying, if you can get over... Like if you can see past what ha- if you can see past the future, and just watch the match encapsulated, you should because it was a great match. Yeah, and it I did, think yeah. that's the best way I can rectify speaking about him mm-hmm. is I'm not I'm not I'm also not exploiting a terrible thing that happened to him and his family. Right, it's hard. It's a little bit different for everybody. Me personally, uh, I don't celebrate him in any way. I don't go out and try to watch Benoit matches as like you know studying material or anything like that. If it's there, it's there. Mm-hmm. But I don't go out of my, I will never go out of my way to to look for a specific match of his because of whatever. Uh, just to change the subject just a little bit, I am uh, kind of over Conrad saying that Bischoff saw Chris Jericho at the Worlds Collide pay per view. <laughs> it was not Worlds Collide. It was a World Wrestling Peace Festival on June first, nineteen ninety six. That was not the Worlds Collide pay per view because I was there at that show, and that's a show that Jericho said that he met Bischoff. World Wrestling Peace Festival, you, not when Worlds Collide. No, you, you try. Has be, he made that mistake more than once? He said it like all the time. Homie, going you, in you pretty try, hard you for a guy be, who has us on his channel. You trying to be Conrad's researcher? I'm just yeah. saying. Like I'm just he, saying he, that he was research. I'm sure he would love. The I help. was there at the show. <laughs> I know for a fact it was Chris Jericho versus Conan versus Bam Bam Bigelow in a triple threat match mm. at also, June 1st, 1996, World Wrestling Festival at the LA Sports Arena. Also, to bring it back to the topic very briefly. 
you say I, you don't seek out a Chris Benoit match, and it's something I've screenshotted among you multiple times because I the last couple months for a couple different projects I've had to kind of live on the WWE Network and how it works. Mm-hmm. And if you search for him, you can't find him, and you wonder how right. that happens. And it's if you were to watch Fall Brawl '96, it would say Chris Jericho has match. Wow! All of the titles that would have normally said. So if you ever see a weird title like that, it's Chris Benoit. Interesting. And it's done so you can't and search him. observant for a man, wow. based on what I just said before. <laughs> uh, and just to all of our, our live chatters, uh, that is me talking to you there. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's chat a little bit about Brian Knobs. What's going on with him? Encyclopedia of uh, <laughs> In professional terms of wrestling. What? I mean, GoFundMe. Oh, I mean, recently. Yeah. Uh, I guess he has like a leg issue he has a knee issue yeah Yeah. they're trying to go fund me for him um it's as simple as that i guess okay yeah just medical medical expenses Mm -hmm. he's he's hurt he needs money is my way of saying i haven't pulled up the article yet right (laughs) well so so total knee replacement he needs a total knee replacement let me find and i guess his wife has been having some issues as well so Mm -hmm. just kind of collectively Yeah, they're they're reaching out for some help. Yeah, they need some help. I, you know, also live in the world of reality TV, covering that as well. And I know that when people start GoFundMe's for reality TV, there's sometimes a lot of backlash. I'm curious how you guys feel about someone like Brian Knobs um, petitioning for money in that way. Mm. And please don't take that as a judgment, my my question. No, No, not at all. I don't have a problem. I think we, as a wrestling community, have not backlashed against GoFundMe's for for medicals. And I think... It's a completely different show and a completely different discussion over whether any human should feel the need to have a GoFundMe for their healthcare. Yeah. But he but I don't we as a wrestling society don't lash out against that. And I think it's partly cuz we kind of understand the independent contractor thing is a little wishy-washy at yeah. best. And if you've enjoyed Brian Knobs, if you've enjoyed Brian Knobs, like to a certain extent maybe this is a way you could pay back. By the way, it's 6144 of a $10,000 goal. I'm, I'm no, I'm in no way, oh, shape, wow. or form trying to uh, antagonize Brian Knobs in any way. But I know, and maybe it's different because it's Florida. But I know in California there is ways to get health insurance if you don't make that much money. That's that's not Florida. Yeah, again, no, but I know it's, it might be different, different in Florida. Um, which which was the first thing I said. Yeah, but like, I, I, so I can't really comment too much. Like mm-hmm. I said, I want to antagonize him. But, but as someone who watched him back in the day. Someone who was entertained by what he did, why he I put wasn't. his body through. You don't feel a little bit of a, almost a responsibility to say, hey, yeah, I'm going to throw 10 bucks in here. No. Okay. I don't feel, I don't feel responsible. I feel bad. Hopefully he, he does better, but I don't feel responsible to, I, also, I, 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 I never have, to be honest with you. I know a couple years ago, and I was documented on the Jake the Snake documentary, uh, he had a GoFundMe thing, and, and yeah. there were cool incentives where like, you know, do, donate this much, we'll add you as a credit for the documentary, this and that. I didn't. I mean, um, I don't feel bad for not doing it, just... I also don't fault anyone for doing it. Yeah. If that's your guy, that's your guy. Like, uh, it was a long time ago. This was before GoFundMe. Uh, Sabu was in the hospital, and he just tweeted out his PayPal. Right. And I threw him five bucks, and then I have a signed... It wasn't an eight by ten; it was four by six. But I have a signed four by six by from Sabu. Yeah, the for chat him ten bucks. Yeah, the chat rule says in the wrestling community it makes sense. So let's talk a little bit about. I'm sorry, that's a terrible transition that I keep no, making. <laughs> we are. We have come to the. Oh wait, let me do the thing. I want to do the thing. Are you guys ready for the main event of the night? You had to say it just like that? Uh, well, probably not like that. Okay, and probably saying. by the end I was saying it like that. <laughs> uh, let's talk about this War Games match. George, have baby faces ever won the coin toss? No. Never. Not no. even NXT? Not once. No. The history of the War Games match. <laughs> no. Never happened. 
Well, Eric seemed to think that, you know, despite the baby faces never winning the coin toss, that this match had a lot of good story and that really he talked about people having a problem with it being on the card, but this is the reason why they were drawing, according mm-hmm. to WCW. Agreed? I like, mean, is that, is that I, the reason I, why you were watching? I was all in on, on this on this show just because, again, the whole Sting thing. That was, like, such a big deal. Like, oh, my God, was that a fake thing? Was that a real thing? Like, oh, what if it is a fake thing? But then we saw the – once you saw the fake thing come out, you're like, I don't think this is Scott Borden. <laughs> Steve Borden? Steve Borden? Steve, Steve Borden. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it was just – and then just the, even the visual of, like, them together. It's like, oh, finally Sting gets his comeuppance. But then it just – it's like the beginning, like the end of chapter three of like a 50-chapter book. And I was like, oh, my God, it's got even more awesome. I do like that they finally pulled off a fake wrestler angle. Yeah. Because the Underfaker, that was dead. Um, fake fake Diesel, fake, Fazer, fake Razor Ramon. I don't think that was intended to be anything more than... Although, could you imagine if that just got over? Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what it could have been. But like this fake sting business like actually was over mm-hmm. and it worked. Yeah, and started uh, what uh, Eric called a pivotal point for the company. Of course, let's look at a little bit at next week. We are going to be talking about TNA. Madison, sorry, it was a Madison Square Garden Raw next week, and then TNA a week after that. Oh, I'm sorry, that's right. I, so I kind of just brushed over hallway, that, but yeah. that's going to be good, though, right? Yes. Um, what went was, down? It was the first Raw ever from Madison Square Garden, and it, they, they really made it a big deal. Uh, I know they were just there like about a week ago, but they really made this one. It was September 22nd, 1997. Uh, Cactus Jack came out for the first time mm-hmm. in WWF. Yeah. Um, Steve Austin stunned Vince McMahon, which was all leading up to, you know, that was coming. But it was just yeah. such a big deal. It was, was like such a can't turning point. wait to get Eric's thoughts on that. And then the week after that, TNA, which we <laughs> already got a taste of when Eric said, you know, good things happen there. He has good memories and he's grateful. But there's more moments he wish didn't happen. I understand. They're gonna need that's going to be juicy. They're going to need a real big saucer for all the tea that's going to get spilled <laughs> on that episode in particular. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the SmackDown debut in two weeks, oh, or, yeah. or is my calendar a little October fourth? That's in two yeah. weeks. Yeah, two weeks. So right. this is very intentional. That the TNA, the week he's talking about TNA, is the week he's the executive producer on that's a wrestling show on Fox. Huh? That's not intentional. Because it was like almost ten years since it's around October, November, two thousand nine, when they announced that Hogan and Bischoff were going to get into TNA. So I think of it as a ten year anniversary. Wow! So clearly we are going to have much to discuss over the next couple of weeks, guys. I know we're not bringing you Eric any at this time, uh, maybe in the future, but I do want to thank every single one of you for hanging out and joining us live. It is so much fun to hear your thoughts. We appreciate uh, all of your uh, positive comments as well. I am seeing those, and uh, we really. Love Love hanging out with you live. So, guys, where can they keep up with you during the week when we're not tuning in to After 83 Weeks? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter almost exclusively. I'm at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I run a lot of YouTube pages, including this very one. And if I'm tweeting the link, chances are I'm involved. Also, arrive, Spinebuster, repeat. Yeah, I made that shirt. Yeah, George. Uh, you can follow me at Jihermoza, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. Monday nights, we cover Monday Night Raw in Spanish. Uh, this Friday night, we're going to have a wrestling pro wrestling show out in Bourbon, California. For those who can't be there, they also put it up on YouTube, Twitch, the following Thursday. So feel free to support that. But yeah, I'm, again, I'm thankful to be here. Thank you. Tune in and watch that guy get into the ring. And I did see a few of you said you were reality TV fans when I mentioned that there. So watch 90 Day Fiance News daily every day on AfterBuzz TV's reality TV channel. And you can always Hit me up at Christie Reports. I love to hear from you. Thank you again. You can join us live Wednesday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you next week. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. 
Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only. They do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 